0: Anita County 911. My brother's gone. Can you be a little more
1: specific, sir? That's my brother. Who took him? I don't know who took him. I don't know what happened, sir. Sir, next time, take a friend. Explain to be what happened. And I looked out, and there was this big red blinking UFO. I can just
0: say this: something's going on in the woods. Something's going on. They're not dogs, they're not coyotes.
1: What could it be, right?
0: I had an encounter with a skunk ape, and it completely altered the course of my life. I found this skull. I are you guys going to want to come build this? Put him out,
1: put him out, put him out, put him out, put him out.
0: Put him out. I put just see it, I just see
1: it. 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 Sightings of a UFO hovering over a barn. Millie woke up from a dream, and when I went into the bedroom, she said, "There's a monster on the wall." They saw that the creature had run through a barbed wire fence. That they were able to obtain hairs. They sent the hairs to their lab, and it came back as an unknown creature. Bizarre creature.
0: What is up, guys, and welcome back. To the most bizarre show on the internet, I am the one, the only, Shane Squatch.
1: And I'm Oren, and we've got a bit of a special episode today for you guys. Shane, you want to tell the listeners what we got going tonight?
0: Well, first of all, man, I'm disappointed you didn't use the nickname we discussed last week.
1: (laughs) Is it UF Warren? Is that the one? UF Warren. Yes, that is yes. it. I think okay. that was it. <laughs> all right. I'll use it in uh, the sign-off. How about that? There you go. All right. We'll, we'll okay.
0: flip-flop it. Usually, I do my normal name at the end, and I do my cool name in the beginning. We'll just we'll just reverse it. You do your, there you bo- go. your normal you name keep in the beginning. on their toes, right? Definitely got to keep them on their toes. <laughs> so, for all the listeners that aren't already aware, they don't follow us on social media, anything like that, it is the one-year anniversary slash birthday of of Bizarre Encounters. We've made it, we made it to one year. And within that one year, we've had a lot of different changes that have happened, uh, a lot of different intermixing, but I definitely think that we're at a good spot now. Uh, Pretty excited about it because we are decided that for our one year anniversary, we're going to do a special episode, but we'll get into that as we get rolling on the episode and everything like that. But uh, as far as Bizarre Encounters goes, um, I guess I wanted to kind of give you guys like a rundown on everything that we've been through in the past year. Um, So the way I guess we'll kind of tell this story for all the listeners that aren't aware, I will tell the story up until the point where Oren comes in and then I'll pass it over and he can kind of wrap up the tail end of it um but yeah we got a lot of interesting stuff going on as far as uh yeah, a lot of, uh, us just being around and doing the show and it's been fantastic and I'm overly excited and I've been way too damn excited about this. So now I'm, uh, staggering over my words because I've been excited about this since last night. Yeah. Uh, you could even say that I've, uh,
1: I suffer from
0: premature congratulations. <laughs> Cause I just wanted to congratulate you so much Oren, for being my co-host.
1: <laughs> well, congratulations to you and for, uh, you know, the, the work you put in before I came on and, uh, You know, thanks again for inviting us on the show and, you know, I'm super stoked to be a part of this and I'm glad everything's worked out as well as it has. And, you know, like we were talking about the other day, I hope we can kind of just keep rolling and keep building and see where it goes from here. So a big thank you to you again. And, um, you know, thank you to the listeners and, you know, I hope people out there still enjoy listening to our dumbasses ramble on, but uh, <laughs> yeah, just thank you to everybody out there. So,
0: Hey man, our show is like a fine wine. It gets better with age because I feel uh, like we're I'm the not show sure about
1: all that, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we might, we might. I mean, our
0: theories might even get more out there as time goes on, but I mean, giving people kind of a background to the show for anybody that may be a new listener, hasn't been listening since the beginning. Uh, didn't come over from my solo show and been listening since the very beginning. Uh, how this show started off originally was that I started it, with Ghost from uh, My Third Eye Podcast. Uh, We had this intention that we wanted to start a cryptid deep dive show, an interview show. And, uh, you know, we started getting it rolling. It was a little bit delayed when we first started it because we originally wanted to start it in the middle of summer. Um, But then we kind of did, like, I'd say, when did you guys come on? Maybe like episode like 15 or something like that? Uh, Yeah, I
1: think you had like 15, 16 episodes, somewhere in that realm.
0: But essentially what was happening was it was more geared towards like an interview show when we first started. Uh, That's kind of what Ghost was familiar with doing at the time. Um, but ghost was working on another show at the time. I mean, he had his main show and then he was working on other side show. Uh, so he ended up deciding that he wanted to take a hiatus from the show. Um, because he just wanted to focus on his work, no hard feelings or anything like that. It's just, uh, ghost was definitely more of a conspiracy guy, I guess you could say, rather than specifically like cryptids and stuff. Like he definitely had an interest. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't necessarily, I guess, um, maybe a comfortable fit for him which is probably part of the reason why he decided to take a hiatus uh, so what ended up happening after that was that you know I had that little moment of panic where I was like hey I'm gonna have to end the show like it is what it is and then i remembered that well first before i remembered this I threw out something posting about how I was looking for a co-host and then I got bombarded with a bunch of messages from a bunch of awesome people that were interested in filling the filling the spot at the time um, it was a little bit too much at the time because I just didn't I was trying to figure everything out and I started getting blown up with messages and everything. And I appreciate all you guys out there. If you were one of those people that decided that you were going to try to be a co-host for the show. Um, but a week prior I had actually done a show with Oren on inquiries and right after we finished that show, I was like, Hey man, I want to start doing deep dives on my show. If you'd be interested in doing them with me. Um, because again, when those bizarre encounters first started off, it was intended to be more of like an interview show. Um, and then, just started connecting dots and I was like, Hey, that's the guy that I want. I don't know why I necessarily like put out this ad. I already kind of had somebody in mind that I wanted to have on the show. Uh, so I decided to unfortunately kind of leave the other co-host stuff where it was at. Um, I asked Oren to come on the show and from there, I guess he can tell the rest of the story and kind of talk about how the show format has kind of transitioned since he's been involved.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, like you said, Shane, um, Kind of how we got acquainted for the, the listeners out there who don't know. Um, you know, me and Jenny kind of started going to you know, cryptid festivals and things like that, just trying to meet people and network and kind of just see what was out there. And through that, we met uh, the Cryptos of the Corn guys at the uh, Southwest Virginia Bigfoot and Friends Festival, which was great. But um, anyway, so we met them, uh, went on their show. And actually, I think you listened to uh, the interview that I did. That's why I hit you up to be a guest. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's when you reached out to me. And, um, you know, we had an awesome time recording the Inquiries episode, really hit it off. And, you know, like you said, one thing led to the next. And then, you know, we popped on and, uh, you know, we had a good run here for, what, nine months, I guess we're at now. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's been a blast. I've enjoyed, you know, getting to know you i've enjoyed kind of getting my feet wet in the whole podcast thing um we
0: started off as co hosts and we quickly became best friends that haven't actually met in person which is a weird thing to say but not for podcasters
1: (laughs) well and that's going to change soon as we will you know talk about here in a little bit but um yeah like you said you know uh kind of when we popped onto the show it was more interview based and you know we had talked about the idea of doing more deep dives and things like that. And that, you know, that was really what drew me to doing this is I wanted to do the deep dives, you know. um, I feel like we pretty much have
0: transitioned now where we definitely have interviews involved, but majority of the show now is definitely the deep dives.
1: Yeah, and, you know, uh, I guess we're kind of letting everybody see behind the curtain a little bit. But, you know, it's kind of like I've told you, we've talked about before, you know, the deep dives, not that I don't like talking to people and hearing their stories, but the deep dives is what I really enjoy it's what i really love i love doing the research i love talking about it i love you know kicking out ideas back and forth with you and jenny and whoever else we might be talking to but um you know the deep dives is really kind of not to sound any of my passion and all this you know so um no, yeah, you're, you're kill,
0: you kill it at it, man. Like, I almost feel bad sometimes that I don't do as many notes as you because you're, like, every single time I check my email, dude, you already sent me a new set of notes, and I'm just like, damn. I thought that, uh, you know, I was pretty quick on notes, but now it's like you're putting me to shame, man. Like, I feel bad. Like, I need to start, like, compiling a shit ton of notes because I have, like, ten half-finished notes for shows at the moment.
1: <laughs> no, like, I mean, I feel like I just kind of had a little bit of a backlog on stuff, and I just had to, you know, kind of polish up a lot of stuff. But, um we're pretty much caught up now i think i'm through all my notes at this point on you know the jack parsons thing that took a long time so i hadn't really had a chance to do a whole lot since then but anyway yeah just that's kind of where we're at now and um you know truthfully i've not that i didn't enjoy doing the show before but once we kind of transitioned more into the dives and that kind of stuff it's just kind of lit a new fire under me and Yeah, I'm just, like I said, thankful for the opportunity and looking forward to what the next year has for us at Bizarre Encounters.
0: Oh, yeah. And uh, I mean, I've always said this a bunch of times on inquiries, but when you start a podcast, you have an intention going in, but then it quickly starts to kind of shape to who you are and what your personality is. So when the show didn't have you involved yet, it definitely was kind of shaped to more like how I would typically run a show because I like doing dives, but it's just not as easy for me by myself because I'm more of like a bounce ideas off of somebody kind of person. But once you got involved, now I feel like the show is just this really, really good mix of like your personality and my personality all put into the show together. And it's, I couldn't ask for a better co-host, man. Like I love doing this show with you. It's been one, it's one of my favorite things about Fridays. Like I get excited all day at work, man. I get amped up to come on the show and it's uh, you know, I love my show. Inquiries of Our Reality is great, but You know when you talk to a different person every single day You kind of have to kind of go in being on like your best behavior where like this show it's like us We're comfortable. I can come in. I can just say dumb jokes like just a more comfortable space Because I don't feel like I have to necessarily be on my best behavior And honestly, this is like one of my highlights in my week and it's thanks to you You get involved and just doing the show as a whole and it just transitioning into what it is now And it's again been great and i'm looking forward to see what happens in the next year and uh speaking of going on in the next year and stuff that we're trying to do i guess this is probably a good spot to kind of transition into uh all the news and updates but before that of course i have to hit this
1: i can hardly contain
0: myself about all the updates that we got going on this coming year so the main thing that we're going to start trying to do this coming year we're going to have our first time doing it or i'll 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 let you give the news on this one and then i'll give all the deets after (laughs)
1: All right, so we will be doing our first speaking event, and it's going to be on October the 28th in Charlestown, West Virginia. It's called Cryptid Halloween 2. Uh, we're super excited. Uh, thanks to uh, the Snarly U for uh, giving us the opportunity to do this. But um, we're going to be talking a little bit about like um, ghostly black dogs and things like that. Cryptid's kind of local to the area we're going to be talking in. And we're also uh, going to be doing kind of like an interview segment and then kind of an open forum, uh, excuse me, open forum campfire type thing where we can share our bizarre encounters and other people can share their encounters as well. So we're super excited for this, um, excited for the opportunity. Hopefully, it leads to more speaking engagements in the future. But uh, yeah, this is the first one coming down the pike here in a little bit, and we could not be more excited about it. And hopefully
0: we will have some more coming up in the future. So that also being said, if anybody's throwing any events and you might be interested in us speaking, uh, let us know. We'd love to coordinate it. We'd love to come out and be able to see you. And hopefully it's in a good spot where both of us can make it out to it. Um, But, you know, you guys, I'm planning on when we do all this live stuff, I'm going to live stream it for anybody that isn't able to make it to this event. And also, just an added bonus, the event is free, so all you guys got to do is make it out, and then you guys can come and hang out with us. Uh, But I will be doing it, posting it live while we're doing it onto probably YouTube, um, Facebook, whatever I can coordinate at the time. Um, and then I probably will be taking the video format of everything that we do and be uploading it onto YouTube. So if you guys are diehard Bizarre encounter fans and you guys aren't going to be able to make it to West Virginia, we will definitely do everything we can in our power to make it so that you guys can still experience what we have going on, um, even if you're not necessarily there. Um, but like I was trying to say, though, if anybody's interested in having us speak, uh, if you guys are interested in just waiting until after we post that to see exactly like what we're bringing to the table, I mean, you're more than welcome to, but we definitely would love to be able to, coordinate it and be able to do more of it and uh, i will be of course adding all the information for this event down in the uh the show notes so if anybody wants to find some more info on it find snarly you aka dave uh, it's all going to be down in the show description make it quick and easy for you guys
1: and on that note, you know, the normal stuff like we always talk about, reach out to us through social media, through uh, the email, Bizarre Encounters at Outlook.com. You know, any suggestions for guests or topics or any uh, anything you want us to cover, talk about, reach out to us. And also, if anybody wants to uh, maybe sponsor the show in some way, you know, uh, work out a partnership, or we can use You know, your products, we can highlight things like that. Uh, Whatever, you know, people out there want to do, get up with us and we will try to work something out.
0: Also, I just want to give a quick shout out to Brian, who's in the chat. Um, This will be posted as an episode uh, this coming Wednesday, but for anybody that's around or hasn't picked up on it yet, we're doing this as a live on specifically our one-year anniversary day, but Brian's been a long time listener. He started off on inquiries back uh, before this show even started. He's one of those listeners that's been listening since episode one, so I just wanted to give an extra special shout-out to Brian for being so supportive of the show ever since we started all of it. He's been one of the best people that I've met as far as, uh, I guess, listeners go. He started off as a listener, quickly became a good friend, and I'm hoping to be able to meet him in person. And while I'm on the verge of doing this and giving shout-outs to people, I definitely got to give a huge shout-out to Brandy and Floyd, Um, I'm sure that if they could be in the live, they definitely would. We are doing this kind of early today, but they've been massively supportive of the show to the point where they buy all of our merchandise and they go and they wear it at all these different conventions. So they're getting the word out, even in that way, they're resharing everything. They said that they got everybody at their work listening to the show now. So honestly, those three people are, I can't even begin to thank you guys enough for being involved with the show. You are some of the best people that I could possibly ask for, for listeners. Uh, You guys aren't, um, I guess angry people, which is definitely a positive. So, you know, any feedback that comes from you guys is always positive feedback. You guys don't ever shit on us. So also thank you for that one. Even because, when we deserve it, probably. Yeah, even when we <laughs> deserve it, I guess. But <laughs> um, but moving on to everything else, uh, starting to do the front of house stuff real quick so we can get into this awesome episode for you guys today. Um, If you guys aren't already following the show on social media, if you guys want to get updates on anything new and going on with the show or new episodes or any events that we're doing, I highly recommend you guys go and check that out. Instagram is the one that I'm the most active on, but we also have a Facebook setup, but everything kind of gets pushed off the Facebook or off the Instagram and onto the Facebook And uh, if you guys want to join some uh, chat rooms and have some awesome conversations with some like-minded individuals, you guys can always go check out the Telegram and the Discord. Uh, We've been trying to build up that Discord for a while. Uh, There's a decent number of members, but it seems like sometimes people just don't know if they can interact or I'll just kind of post questions and things in there, just try to make it so everybody interacts. Um, I definitely want to see you guys interact more. I want to see new people pop into the group. I uh, want everybody to know, like, don't be afraid to post things like, you know, get involved in the conversation, start a conversation. Uh, The only way we're ever going to be able to build up a community is with all of your guys' help and all of you guys connecting with each other. And I know I've said it on a couple different episodes and stuff, but depending on if we can build up that community, we definitely want to start involving uh, group activities. Uh, One thing that Oren was doing this year, but we'll probably have to do it next year again for when we have more time to build the community is uh, the Fantasy Football League. So just Kind of a small idea on something that we wanted to do to help build up this community. Um, but an idea that I threw out, maybe if we get enough people in the community, we can find a middle ground spot and maybe we can plan like a like a barbecue or better yet, maybe we can plan like a Bizarre Encounters camping trip or something like that. And maybe we can all go squatching with a bunch of the community and the listeners or something like that. Be a lot of fun. But again, you guys got to build up, uh, form this community with us because we want to get everybody as tight knit as we possibly can. And, uh, well, you-
1: and Shane, you know, we just figured out that West Virginia is basically halfway between the two of us, so that works out pretty fantastic as well. So. <laughs> and there's definitely
0: some good squatching and creatures in West Virginia, as everybody's aware, so just imagine yeah, the awesome stuff that we could do with you guys involved in the community that we could go and check out in West Virginia. And we can even get Dave the snarly U involved in it, so that's even better yet. But, uh, yep, going on to the other stuff. I was already talking about the YouTube and the TikTok and all the video content that we're going to start producing. Uh, If you guys want to be able to check out the lives that we're going to be doing on the 28th, uh, definitely go and at least follow the YouTube so that that way you can get notifications when we start doing that live. Because for sure, I'm going to do it up on the YouTube. I'm going to try to do it onto Facebook too. But primary focus is going to be on the YouTube, so definitely go and check that one out. Um, YouTube and TikTok. I post clips of the show with thought provoking questions. So it's a good way to help share the show. If you're not sure if somebody will listen to like a full hour, two hour episode, but you think that they might be interested in the topic, if you just kind of feed it to them a little bit, uh, it's a good way to help share the show. You guys can just shen- send them those clips and stuff like that. Um, I, like I said, I usually post them with a thought provoking question. So maybe it'll even spark some interesting conversation with you and maybe some people at work or some friends. Um, And then if you guys want to support the show, a couple different ways to do so. I know I run through this every show, but I I still got to do it every show. Uh, You guys can become Patreon members and join the awesome ranks of Brandy, Brian, and Floyd like I previously gave the giant shout-out to. Uh, There you'll get early access to the show, live feeds of the show, live replays of the show, and exclusive merch store discounts, of course. And while we're talking about exclusive merch store discounts, Definitely go and check out the open minds media merch store over there You'll find designs for bizarre encounters and for increase of our reality and you'll find our awesome stay bizarre design that I feel Like a lot of people seem to really enjoy Uh, I've been selling a decent amount of those doing conventions and stuff So definitely go and snag yourself one of those shirts or if you guys want to pick one up directly from me I do have some solid already made copies. They don't have to get off teespring So you guys can just uh, shoot me a message on the Instagram Let me know what size you need and I can ship some of these out to you I got a big box sitting over here and I will have some of those at the Snarly U uh, Cryptid Halloween um, convention, expo, whatever you wanna call it. So, if anybody wants to wait till then to pick them up, I will have those there then too. And uh, you guys can also donate to the show directly um, from Red Circle, which is our RSS source currently. And if you guys uh, contribute anything to the show, I mean, even if you guys want to try to buy us an energy drink or a coffee so that we can stay up a little bit later and do some research for you guys, uh, we want to make sure all that gets invested back into the show as far as us being able to go to conventions and do all that kind of stuff. So if you guys donate and it doesn't give you an option for a personalized message, let us know that you guys donated because we will give you a huge shout out because we definitely owe that to you guys. And uh, If you guys aren't able to support the show in any of those ways, like I said earlier, get involved in the community, uh, share the show, rate the show, review the show, um, shoot messages saying what you think of episodes, if there's something you really like, if there's something you're not a fan of, suggestions on what you would like to see as far as our community goes. Uh, just support the podcast in any possible way that you can. And that doesn't just go for this podcast. It goes for any podcast. I know I've been saying this lately, but there's a lot of shows that I've seen come and go in the time that I've been doing these two shows. And maybe the saving grace for some of those shows may have simply been just sending somebody a message and letting them know you that you absolutely love the show. Because we see numbers, but numbers don't have faces. So there's not that personal touch to it. So, you know, you can be running the show, but if nobody's ever communicating with you, even if the numbers are large, it's still kind of an empty feeling. So shoot your favorite podcaster a message, let them know that you love their show because that kind of stuff absolutely means the world to us.
1: And if you guys are looking for more things to support, uh, Definitely hit up Joe at Crypto Theology. He's killing it with his cryptid and alien and all sorts of weird stuff uh, designs that he's got. So definitely check him out. And as always, all of this shit is in the link tree in the show notes. And like Shane said a little bit in the intro, we're going to do something a little special for you guys for the birthday slash anniversary. Um, We always dance around our encounters, so we do.
0: We figure that this would be a great opportunity, since we're talking about the show itself, that we would take the opportunity to share our encounters firsthand where you're not just getting pieces of the story because they're kind of scattered, but we've never actually taken the time to just full out get our encounters out. So for the one year anniversary, we figured that the good special to do live would be our encounters ourselves because... It'd be a good idea to exchange ideas back and forth on it, because I don't even know if we've necessarily gotten too, too deep exchanging the ideas back and forth on each other's encounters, but yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy it. I think it'll be a lot of fun. We do have some bizarre encounters as the show title goes, Um, and I definitely think that uh, it's just, it was one of those ideas that we just kind of tossed it, and both of us were like, yeah, that would be perfect. That's what we're going to do for the one year. So here we are. We're going to run it. We're going to tell our stories, and uh, we talked about a little bit before the show. Orin Man, I feel like you should go first and let them know about your encounters and then uh yeah we can bounce back and forth and uh this also for anybody that might be in the live chat um currently there's only a couple people but more people come in i'll drop this again later on the episode but if any of you guys have questions that you want to ask that involve our encounters or you guys want to throw in any comments that involve our encounters uh, just throw it into the chat feed and i will answer the questions read them off of course and read off comments so i want you guys to be involved in this show so don't be afraid to drop some messages while we're talking and let us know what you think about everything or ask your questions
1: all right so uh kind of like shane said you know um i've told my story on various podcasts you know i even told it a little bit on inquiries but i don't think um i've ever really told it on this show, you know, like Shane said, we've kind of beat around the bush a little bit, but uh, so you know, I don't have like a Sasquatch encounter or never seen a UFO or anything like that. But kind of my weirdest encounter is, um, as a lot of you guys probably know at this point, I grew up in Eastern North Carolina, and I grew up, you know, right across the cri- uh, river, creek, whatever you want to call it, from a large military base camp lejeune is the name of the base Uh, a lot of you guys have probably seen you know all the toxic water class action lawsuit claims that are going on on tv and whatnot but that's the place i grew up you know right across the river from there and when i was a kid um you know there was constant helicopter activity you know at night there would be you know helicopters in formation and they'd be shooting off flares. I I mean, I don't know if they were doing training exercises. Don't know, you know what they were doing. My parents, you know, at the time I didn't think much of it, but looking back, uh, you know, I wish I had thought more of it, but they'd be like, Oh, uh, you know, the Marines must be out there looking for something tonight. (laughs) And now I think back and like, Oh, what the fuck could they have been looking for? But anyway, so like I said, you know, just constant military helicopter type activity, but uh, the weird thing that happened, uh, the bizarre encounter, if you will. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> See what I did there? I said the name of the show. But uh, So this, I would actually consider like a recovered memory. So a little bit of backstory on this. You know, um, I got really serious into researching the paranormal and weird stuff probably four years ago at this point. You know, I always was into weird stuff and cryptids and aliens when I was a kid, but, um, you know, my dad passed away and during this whole time, um, you know, I started getting into the kind of cryptid research more. And, um, when my dad died, me and my mom had to, uh, go on a trip up to Rhode Island to pick up my sister to bring her back home for, you know, all that sort of stuff, and right before this happened, I was actually watching an episode of Ancient Aliens," and they were talking about the men in black, and something in that episode, somebody was talking about their encounter, and it just kind of clicked, and I was like, "Oh my God, that happened to me." And so, you know, as we were coming back from Rhode Island with my sister, you know, it was not a good trip, you know, emotions were high, what have you?" And so I just straight up ask my mom, I was like, Hey, I've got this memory. I need to know, did this actually happen? And so I laid out the story I'm about to tell you guys. And my mom goes, yeah, that totally happened. So what happened? The best I can remember, um, I was probably, you know, nine or 10 at the time. And, uh, it was late spring, early summer, somewhere in that range. And I was homeschooled. So, um, you know, we were doing school work in the middle of the day, me and my mom and my sister. And this white van pulls up in our front yard. And our property was like really secluded. It was far off the road. Like I said, it was back on the creek across from this base. It wasn't like people just randomly drove by, you had to be specifically going to our house to get to our house. And this white van pulls up. Uh, in my memory, it's like a, you know, early mid nineties white Chevy Astro van. The generic creeper, government, yeah. or pedophile van. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Three and, uses.
1: Yeah. And, you know, my memory is there's these two guys that get out of the van. And they've got, you know, black pants, uh, black sunglasses, black ties. They didn't have coats on but they had uh, like short sleeve white dress shirts but again this is summer in north carolina it's hot and humid i don't know if that has anything to do with the reason they didn't have jackets on but anyway so these two guys get out of the van and they start just like walking around the perimeter of our yard like down where the water is and they they just walked around for a few minutes and my mom said take your sister and go hide in my bedroom closet. If I don't come and get y'all in a few minutes, you know, get out of the house, run to your aunt's house down the road, call somebody. So obviously, like, my mom didn't think this was, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses or anything. This was something that she thought was an odd, bizarre encounter as well. So a few minutes later, my mom comes and gets us out of the closet and nothing's ever really said about it again like from what I remember we just go back to you know doing our normal school work my dad comes home from work that night we you know eat dinner I don't even remember it being brought up to my dad like not even hey this weird thing happened today so like my mom's response and everybody else's response seemed just kind of weird for at the very least something strange happened to us that day. You know, was it a men in black? You know, we've talked about this on the show. I think there's two, you know, kind of theories about the men in black. There's the kind of John Keel ultra terrestrial idea. And then I think some of them are just government agents.
0: Well, I, I want to throw in, because I was going to yeah. say that we should break this down as far as like men in black. Oh, there are different variations of them. Um, there is a third category and that's just people that are just messing with people and like staging, pretending to be government officials. I just want to throw that in as a possibility. Cause there's definitely people that are just doing stuff like that just to troll people. Cause I think it's hilarious. So I- I'd say that there is an unofficial third category.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, kind of my thought, like even at the time and looking back, I don't have any inclination that these two guys were anything other than, you know, flesh and blood government agents i i even with the jackets and were, no
0: jackets i feel like if they were the like extraterrestrial or interdimensional present exactly. ones, They'd they wouldn't have, they the would have been team. wearing
1: the jackets yeah it shows that yeah, if they were just wearing the, the
0: t-shirts that they're people and they were feeling heat in you know north carolina yeah.
1: and they weren't in like the black you know 60s lincoln continental or anything you know they were in like a white government issued van i just
0: imagine that so, the lincoln continental like, you just hit a button, and it's, like, Men in Black, like the movie, where it just, like, yeah. transforms into this, like, zero-gravity fucking car device thing. <laughs> it just goes into, like, a perfect angle and just projects up towards the sky. Or, actually, maybe it doesn't need to do that. Maybe it does a, um, a Back to the Future type thing, where it'll go a certain speed and open a fucking portal and just, boom, go into the Men in where Black universe. Don't, they don't need
1: roads. So. We don't need roads where we're going, my friend. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, um, you know, I... I think that these were, you know, government agents. Um, At the time when I first started thinking about this more, I thought, well, they must have been like looking for something. Because, like I said, there would be constant military activity, helicopters. At one point, um, a military flare, and I don't know if any of our listeners are super familiar with this, but um, it's like basically it's like something they shoot up it's like a parachute with like this box on it like landed in our front yard there's like pictures of me playing in this thing when i was a kid i would love to see these
0: pictures just a side note i I want to send them to
1: you when we get off but um so yeah at the well you know like i said when i first started thinking about this i thought maybe they were looking for something and it telling this story on different podcasts and, you know, talking about it with different people. I don't think that anymore. I think what they were doing was seeing what we could see from our property, because like I said, it was directly across the Creek from the military base. Like you could see stuff going on. I mean, there are trees. You couldn't tell what was going on. I think they're trying to see what we could see. But uh, you know, like I said, my mom had a very like, Strange reaction to this and um, it was never talked about, you know, I don't remember, like I said, it ever being mentioned to my dad. Did they actually like have a conversation with her? Did she mention like See, anything? I, they I don't know said that, or anything? That, that's kind of what I'm getting to. So, um, like, like I said, when my dad passed and we were, you know, talking about this on our way back home, I said, mom, what happened? You know? And she said, I don't know. I don't remember. I said, why did we never talk about this? She said, I don't know. And I said, well, you went out. You said you were going to you know, go out to the yard and see what was going on with these guys. What happened when you did that? She said, I don't know. She said, I have no recollection of that. I said, well, I remember us going in the closet. I remember you coming and getting us out of the closet. She said, that's what I remember. So, you know, toward the end of my mom's life, she got kind of into some weird esoteric type stuff. And we talked about this a few times and, you know, she kind of half jokingly said, you know, I I almost wonder if I got, you know, zapped by the men in black. And that's why, you know, she didn't have any recollection of that and why everybody had such an odd kind of reaction to the whole situation.
0: I just want to ask. Or not even ask, but I'm kind of out of curiosity. I kind of wonder if both sides would technically have that like blanking technology, whether it's the interdimensional extraterrestrial beings or the government technology, maybe different variations of the same technology. But I wonder if both of them would have some form of memory wiping technologies. You know, obviously the extraterrestrials would, but the government ones, I assume they probably have something like that, too.
1: Yeah, no, I I would certainly assume so. I mean... Anything that you know is in movies, we kind of got to assume is a little bit of soft disclosure going on at that point. But um, do especially Men in Black, because I just want to throw this in here. Tim Schwartz,
0: I recently had on. Um Inquiries about reality, which I definitely got to bring him on here if you haven't met him. He's like one of my favorite people to have on the show. But uh, he was talking about somebody he used to work with who passed away probably like six months to a year ago. How he used to write for the Inquirer. And he said Mm -hmm. that out of any paranormal weird phenomenon magazine, whatever that he ever wrote for, they were the most precise where they wanted solid evidence before they would ever post an article. So kind of funny in Men in Black when the one guy is like, oh, this is where you figure out what's going on in the world. He grabs the Inquirer and that's what he starts Uh flipping through. So talk about weird soft disclosure that they actually supposedly like are more strict about any other group about posting stories, trying to make sure that they have some type of legitimacy behind them.
1: <laughs> I've never heard that. That's really interesting though. But um, just one yeah, the reason so have that
0: Tim on this show, I, I definitely got a yeah, coordinating yeah. him on.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. But um, so that's kind of just the, the abridged version of the actual encounter. Um, and then through my research I found some kind of interesting information. Um, I don't know if you want me to go straight into that or you want to kind of alternate with some of your stories a little bit, however you want to handle that, Shane. Well, I feel like all
0: my stories for the most part are going to kind of blend in together. And at the end, I'll have some like trickles of some other random stuff. So I'll just let you run through your whole thing. And then I will uh, go through mine after and I'll just sprinkle in my random little ones at the end. Sounds good. So, uh,
1: you know, like I said, um, this happened when I was like, nine or ten probably but this area where i lived always had like a weird dark energy to it like always you know you were scared to go out and get something out of the car at night and you know this wasn't just like little kid being scared so i would like come home from college and it still scared me You, you know still just run out to the car you took a flashlight with you whatever always had a weird dark energy and i didn't realize how much so until like i moved away and i was like oh okay everywhere doesn't feel like this you know so i like i said never really saw any cryptids never saw any aliens anything like that did have the men in black encounter and did you know just these weird things or weird feelings i would say but um a little bit of background, and you know, we talk on the show a lot about like the whole military base and uh national park thing. Where you know, I wonder if these locations are picked not for their natural beauty or their defense properties, but because the government's trying to kind of hide something there.
0: So, um, kind of funny story mentioning that I know one of the yeah. good people that started off the whole like national park concept was Teddy Roosevelt. And he also talked about having like wild man encounters and he supposedly like went to go try to hunt the, uh, the, um, the, uh, Jersey devil. That's what it was. And yeah, he was involved in like trying to hunt down some of these weird creatures. Supposedly at some point he went on like a squawk hunt too. So I wonder again, if, that's just another intention for it is maybe he was just fascinated by these weird creatures that possibly existed in these areas. So that may have been part of his reasoning on why he wanted to try to form, you know, making these national parks and stuff like that is because he knew that there was weird shit that lived in these areas.
1: Yeah, no, I totally think you're onto something there. And, you know, like I said, we lived right across the Creek from the military base, but like budding up to that was also a national forest. And it's called the Croatan National Forest. And, you know, it's Croatan, like the same tribe from the Lost Colony, all that stuff. But this is uh, one of four national forests in North Carolina. And the others are the Pisgah, which is where Brown Mountain is located, which we just talked about on uh, last week's episode, the Brown Mountain Lights. One of the others is the Uari, And it's got all kinds of sightings of... Bigfoot and strange activity. You name it, it happens in the Uari. Uh, The fourth one, I believe it's pronounced the Nantahala, and that's in the Great Smoky Mountains. And we all know about the weird stuff that goes on there and missing 411, all that kind of stuff. So I think it's kind of odd that these four national forests in North Carolina, all of them to some certain degree have kind of weird connections and weird connotations and weird things going on. And like I said, this energy was always kind of there, but um, after my parents died, uh, they died very close together. Uh, and so me and my sister were spending a lot more time at the property, just you know cleaning things up, uh, trying to take care of everything. And at that point, it seemed like this energy kind of really ramped up like and you know there was a lot of death that was poured into this area. Um, After my parents died, there was a lot of unnecessary, I would consider family drama that we had to deal with. So just a lot of negativity and death and just bad feelings, bad energy, whatever you want to call it. It was being poured into that area. Bad juju. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, the last time I spent the night, In that house, I swore I was never going to do it again. And it wasn't that anything happened; it was just, you know, people talk about with dog man encounters, just like that overwhelming sense of fear, and like it just freaked me out. And I was like, I'm not doing this ever again. So I don't know if there was some kind of portal window area in this, you know, national forest military base, this whole area. And you know, pouring all this negative energy in it thinned the veil even further. I don't know, but a uh, couple weird things that have happened, you know, in the same time frame, same area. Uh, the house closest to us, you know, I wouldn't consider it a neighbor because it's like through a little patch of woods. But it's uh, an older woman that lives there, and like her grandchildren come and stay with her pretty regularly. And this woman. You know, before my mom died, just like told my mom this story in passing, that one of her grandsons said she saw what uh, he called a big man running through the woods carrying something on his shoulder. So, I mean, take that for what you will. It could have just been kids making shit up, but could have also been something else. Um, and like I said, um, you know, my sister had to. Um, moved back into this house for a little while. And once she was living there alone, it seemed like the activity ramped up even further. And, you know, that kind of gets back to John Keel's idea of, you know, the phenomenon preys on, you know, lonely women in isolated situations. That was basically, you know, this 25 year old girl alone in a house back in the woods, but kind of one of the craziest stories is uh in the kitchen you know how you know lots of people's moms have like decorative chickens and like stuff like that in their kitchen knickknacks well yeah exactly so they're like these three chicken figurines and they had like uh little metal legs and then there was like a wooden body for the chickens and my sister had them on top of the refrigerator i'm pretty sure i have like three of those in my house currently (laughs) <laughs> yeah, probably I mean just normal stuff, but I mean I, anyways, I have so chickens anyway, so
0: I just like chickens in all fairness.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh so my sister said she was just laying in bed one night and like it, it's funny because my sister's like she's definitely open to like all this weirdness, especially more so now, but she's not like a student of it like we are. But um uh, she said she was laying in bed and she said it was almost like the thought just was like beamed into her head. She didn't consciously think it. It was like, go look on top of the refrigerator. She was like, just like that thought beamed into her head.
0: That's intuition at that point.
1: makes you wonder if it's an outside
0: source or if it was like a natural defense or response to just like intuition, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. But so she gets up and she goes and looks on top of the refrigerator and these three chicken figurines like the bodies had been ripped off of them it was just the sets of legs the three sets of legs still on top of the refrigerator the bodies were gone and for like weeks after this she like looked in yeah you know, every drawer everywhere she could think of never found them. And so she called me like freaking out. And I was like, you know, this is some trickster shit. You know, I don't know if you're going to, you know, in a week find the bodies for these in the mailbox or something like that, you know, but.
0: (laughs) Can you imagine that? Be like, I have something you want and it's just a box. And instead of it (laughs) being like a finger, it's just the top of a wooden chicken.
1: (laughs) Well, I think she was fine not having the chickens at that point. She was so freaked out. But, you know, it was. Such a weird, random, specific thing. Like, somebody would have had to break into the house, specifically rip these bodies off of the chickens, do nothing else, take them with them. Like, so, just really weird, bizarre stuff.
0: What if there was a portal? As I just want to throw this in, you mentioned possibly, Mm -hmm. like, a portal location. What if that was caused from a portal location, it was almost like a glitch happening because of somebody attempting to open up a portal if there was a government base near your house?
1: Well... I think a lot of it – I think it's kind of a perfect storm in a way because I think there is some kind of energy or portal or something there for lack of a better term. And I think it does have something to do with the base, but like I said, I think you know, pouring all this negative energy did thin the veil because other weird things happened. Like uh, my sister came home one day, and she had like a terracotta flower pot on the front porch. And she said, like, the flower was removed. Like, all the roots and everything. You know how, like, when you pot a plant, like, all the roots are still connected and it's still kind of in the shape of the pot. Mm -hmm. She said, the flower and the roots had been taken out. They were all intact. It was beside the flower pot, but the pot was shattered. So, like, something or someone would have had to remove the flower and then break the pot for this to have happened and it wasn't like it fell off the porch it was like a dog knocked it over or something
0: what if it was the military guys because you said that they were you thought that maybe they were trying to see what you could see from your house so what if they were like "Eh, a little bit too close for comfort so they were just trying to do shit to try to freak you guys out so that you wouldn't be in that house anymore so that you they wouldn't have somebody that close and (laughs) just a funny concept to think about maybe they were uh shooting from a distance and just being like,
1: all right, can we, can we hit the house from here? And they just aim for the pot. <laughs> I don't know. And that's, you know, kind of one of the funny things about all this. Like I said, um, the men in black experience that probably happened when I was like nine or 10. So like nothing happened for 20 some years at that point, you know, and, um, new round of employees. That's what happened. <laughs> maybe so.
0: It's like uh hazing or training or something. The ones thought you were a safe distance, but the new generation was like, mm, too close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: But uh my sister continued to have strange thing. And maybe we could have her come on the show at some point and tell all these stories. These are just like the things I remember her telling me. But I'm um, already saying yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so she has uh one of those Jeep renegades, like the little jeep things. And um kind of how the battery in that works is it has like a frame that covers the battery and it's bolted down well she had constant trouble with her battery dying like every morning she'd go out to the car and the battery would be dead which gets back to you know batteries dying and paranormal high strangeness situations is your area known for having like a quartz deposit because you know my whole
0: theory about the like magnetized volcanic rock being in an area, even if it was something during the prehistoric age on top of quartz to reserve the energy and i was even hearing that quartz vibrates at a particular frequency which also goes into my weird portal theory that i'm eventually going to start covering on the show about vibration being part of what you need to open a portal but i'm curious in this area if there was one quartz deposits and two magnetic volcanic rock left over
1: so okay so this area like i said it's on the coast so it's not a rocky area it's very sandy um so i couldn't find anything about quartz deposits but i did find this map and i've got the link saved somewhere and this is through like u.s department of something or other where i found this map and it's a map of magnetic anomalies And, you know, it's got like a color range, like, you know, red is less and uh, white is higher. And this area around like the National Forest and everything was like bright white. It was a high level of magnetic anomalies in this area.
0: I'm not saying portals, but portals.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, back to the car battery thing. So, um, like I said, you know, the car battery has this cover that is, you know, bolted down and she went out one morning and the battery cables were disconnected. So which again, somebody would have had to go in the car, pop the hood, disconnect or you know, remove this cover, disconnect the cables and put the cover back on for that to have happened. Which you know, unless somebody's putting a lot of effort to fuck with you, I can't see that happening.
0: I, if anything, it's got to be the military people, like I said, for whatever reason they saw necessary, I kind of, am still, the second time hearing the story, I'm getting the impression that even if there wasn't anything like, quote, like bizarre, and it was just a standard military base that may have just been working on weapons or whatever, it still seems like they were trying to, not directly, but kind of freak you guys out where maybe you wouldn't want to be at the house.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it was just like normal stuff, like poltergeist type activity. Like um, my sister was getting ready to go on a trip, and so she had like clothes hanging out, and she had like this dress she wanted to take with her. And, um, you know, came back home in the evening to pack up, and the dress was gone. Like it was not hanging, you know, on the hook where she left it. And this same trip, uh, you know, she had to leave for the airport like four in the morning or something like that. And she said she was loading up the car and she heard like this huge something running through the woods behind the house. Like she said, it sounded bigger than a dog, bigger than a deer. And it was just like, you know, kind of like bluff charging like we hear about. And she said all of a sudden it just stopped and like everything stopped. No commotion. Didn't hear it going, you know, through the woods anymore. Um, So, yeah, that's just kind of some of the things that she has shared with me that she experienced in this home, in this property, like after my parents died, but um, uh, that's basically the long and the short of it. What I've got about this area, so I don't know if uh, you want to throw anything else in at this point, but that's kind of kind of where we're at at this point.
0: Well, when that bluff charge happened, I just imagine that whatever the hell that was, it was wearing that dress. So just a <laughs> funny visual that either you got a sasquatch running around the woods it wearing a, a dress, sassy dress or <laughs> sassy a sassy sasquatch, or you got a yeah. Martian or a ghost or a and my men in black agent just run around the woods wearing the dress like he, 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 he. <laughs> and then but, once um, they got too close to the house they realized they're going to be seen being a weirdo and running around the woods in a dress so they stopped abruptly and they were like fuck what if they see me <laughs> they dematerialized just some big manly motherfucker men in black agent just run around the woods in a dress like We're yeah, trying to like freak people from, out. We want people to think I'm a ghost, but I don't want people to see me that close and realize that I'm a big, burly, bearded dude in a dress.
1: <laughs> the guy from Lilo and Stitch, Mr. Bubbles or whatever.
0: <laughs> Fucking, <laughs> Mr. I think that was his name, Mr. Bubbles.
1: Yeah, your knuckles say Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bubbles with them knuckles. Yep. But So that's kind of my bizarre encounters. Uh, I know it's not as much as a lot of people have experienced, but I, I think it's kind of a fun story. I mean, Men in Black, that's kind of a rare one, I think. So I think it's at least fun to talk about and think about. So.
0: Oh, for sure. And we still, at some point, we were talking about doing like a full Men in Black episode. Yeah, we were originally sure. going to share that story on there. Um, but now that we've shared it on here, it kind of opens up the opportunity now that when we do that Men in Black encounter or Men in Black encounters episode, maybe we can do um, some of like the really weird, bizarre encounters that people have experienced, like the whole Jello o thing. Um, and we can do different variations of human and that one. And now we can just make a quick reference to your experiences and not have to, you know, spend the majority of that episode trying to cover that full story. So it gives us more opportunity exactly. to do that other type of episode in the future.
1: Because all of our listeners will have heard the story by then. So, Boom. Two birds, one stone. <laughs> and on that note, Shane, uh, would you like to kind of talk about some of your bizarre encounters a little bit?
0: So my encounters, I had a whole thing growing up, which I will save that for a different episode, um, because that's more kind of going into this whole like astral plane idea, but it's kind of what got me going on a lot of like the weird phenomenon. Uh, But specifically for this encounter, I want to share my big major encounters um, that involved other types of creatures is probably the best way to describe it. Um, So, the main story has two different creatures involved, and then I'm going to throw in this little sprinkled story at the end. So, getting into uh, my encounters. So... It all kind of started, I mean, like I said, I have like my full extent of just like weird phenomenon when I was like young, but we're not going to get into that part about it. We're just going to get into the more like, uh, physical, I don't even necessarily want to say physical, but just like me seeing different types of, uh, beings and creatures, um, like around me, I guess you could say. Um, so I used to do urban exploring with my still current girlfriend, uh, Gabby for anybody that might not be familiar with what urban exploring is. It's when you, uh basically go and explore abandoned places. So we kind of got into this whole phenomenon of doing that at the time. This was probably about 10 years ago or so. Um, So the first place we originally went to was uh, Eloise Asylum, for anybody that might be familiar with the name of that location at least. Um, Didn't really have too much really happen there. And then we started building up this fascination with this place called uh, Northville Psychiatric Hospital. Now, Northville Psychiatric Hospital has a lot of uh, I guess you could say horrific backstory to it with, you know, the usual asylum type of stories with like mistreating patients, um, weird experiments on patients, uh, and just like a lot of weird dark backstory to this place. So, you know, we heard a lot about like this place being haunted from checking stuff out on the internet. And we decided to go and try to experience it ourselves so this is the main building for anybody that wants to see it or can see the visual of it that um, is more of like a campus so there is multiple buildings here but this is the main hospital um, for the building and I'll, I'll include this in the um, cover art for anybody that's listening as far as audio goes um, and I'm, here's I'll switch to the next uh, slide here so you guys can see what I'm talking about with it's kind of like a campus um, so you'd enter from the front there's a police station off to the side and then there's a bunch of different satellite buildings that go around this whole main area. So we started kind of just we came in from like the back area because the police station's near the front. Uh, You don't want to get caught, of course. So we'd park somewhere else and just kind of walk ourselves in. So there's all like the dorms. There's uh, like a gymnasium, a bunch of just like random side little satellite buildings on the main hospital. So we got to the point where like we're pretty much mapping this entire place out. We knew the entire place by heart. Um, and in this main hospital area is where all like the weird stuff supposedly happens. There's like a chapel in here where there's like a bunch of Bibles in the corner that are like waterlogged that were there for like years. Uh, there's also the auditorium that's supposedly haunted and we took a bunch of pictures in there. Um, but we, I mean, we got like orbs and stuff like that, but it it was a really dusty place. So it's like, you, you don't really know for sure if it was weird phenomenon or if it was, uh, just dust that was moving around in the air and stuff. Um, so, the first experience that we had here was from me finding some random items that I thought they were cool, and I'm sure everybody knows how bad of an idea this is. And then me taking them home. Um, <laughs> I originally grabbed a no smoking sign because I just thought it was funny because it was back when weed was illegal in my state, and I used to smoke cigarettes and whatever the fuck. So I grabbed a no smoking sign. And then the other thing, which is what I think was the actual item that had an issue attached to it, was this little painted tiki head that was made out of foam. Now, it sounds kind of weird that a little tiki has made out of foam. It wasn't, like, perfectly made. It was kind of, like, you know, just like a craft type thing. So what I kind of assumed with it was that maybe it was something that was done by one of the patients because at a place like this, you're not going to give people, like, wood and a knife to, like, carve. You'd give them, like, foam and, like, maybe something soft that they can kind of chisel away at the foam. So anyways, I thought it was cool, so I ended up bringing it home with me. So we get home for that night. Uh, We put the backpacks upstairs and everything. Um, And then the way that the kitchen was set up and the downstairs was set up in my uh, girlfriend's parents' house at the time was that you'd walk in the front door and the stairs go straight up and then there was the kitchen or the front room and then the kitchen on the other side. But it had the two different doorways on both sides. So it was like kind of you could walk around it kind of in a circle, right? So we get down to the bottom of the stairs. Gabby said she's going to go get a snack. I'm standing at the bottom of the stairs and she takes off towards the kitchen. So, when she takes off towards the kitchen, we both make direct eye contact with this dark figure sitting on the couch. The best way to describe it is anybody that's familiar with like a shadow person, it's mm-hmm. this dark that's darker than dark, and it's in the shape of a person, and it was sitting on the couch. I'm staring at it. Gabby was walking into the kitchen and she had that moment of fear where she didn't stop she just kind of like continued on her path that she was doing while staring at this thing while she was literally walking a couple inches in front of it so she goes into the kitchen loops around and we both look at each other and she goes did you see that and i'm like yeah i saw that and we turned and looked and it wasn't there anymore so after that uh-huh. i was like all right uh, that was a little weird so i started trying to well, figure can I out jump
1: in for a minute oh, of course. real quick so, um, I know Jenny told this story on, uh, bizarre encounters, one of the earlier episodes, but, um, I'm just going to you know, kind of throw it in since we're talking about it and our own bizarre encounters. So, um, you know, Jenny had a lot of weird stuff go on in the apartment that she used to live in and, uh, people should go check out that episode if they're interested in hearing more about that. I'm not going to, uh, not going to steal all of her stories, but, um, one night when i was sleeping over there how her apartment was situated like where the bed was you could see like straight out into the kitchen and um in like the far corner of the kitchen was where she hung this you know mirror that had been in her family for a long time that we kind of speculate could have been the source of some of this activity at this point but anyway um yeah you know, we we're sleeping one night and for some reason i just like set you know, bolted upright and it's not, I don't know if I heard something. I don't know just the feeling. I don't know what, but set upright. And like you said, you know, the darker than dark shadow person silhouette was there in that corner. And I was terrified. That's the scaredest I've ever been my entire life. So, you know, we've talked about this on the show a little bit before, but everybody's description of these things is Fucking spot on, you know, just the Mm -hmm. the darker than dark shadow, you know, kind of humanoid. You can see a head. You can see big shoulders kind of tapers down. Everybody describes the exact same thing. And that's exactly what it looks like.
0: See, and I want to throw in a theory I've had on it that I wonder if like apparitions and shadow people, I mean, they could potentially be two completely different things or maybe they are the same thing and it depends on the person and their perspective and how they perceive things um that maybe like one person will see an apparition where one person sees a shadow person and maybe mm-hmm. it has something to do with like cones in people's eyes or maybe just like their i guess how awake maybe they are um maybe it's just that people certain people's brains and visuals can pick up on different colors and different things than other people's but just kind of a weird theory i want to throw in there in the process but So I got rid of those items. I literally brought them back to Northville. And after that, we didn't end up having another shadow person experience. But going back into Northville again, um, I'm trying to think about which one happened first. I'll tell this one first. So the only other kind of weird thing before we get into the major encounter that happened here was there was another day that we were urban exploring this place. And we were, I think, on like the fifth or sixth floor. So, you know, for all the people that are looking at the picture here. You know, it's almost towards the top of the building. Um, and at this time that we were there, there wasn't a lot of broken windows or anything. There's like a handful, I mean, just kind of like any abandoned place. But we were walking through the floor, it was starting to get dark, and uh we just heard this door hardcore just slam in front of us. And it was this blue door that had a smiley face painted on it, which was I thought kind of weird. And, you know, I tried to throw out the idea that maybe it was just the wind, maybe it was this, maybe it was that. So, you know, I'm not just one of those people that's just going to write it off after saying that explanation. I got to test it out for myself. So I opened the door up. you know, we came out on that floor for a while. Uh, no wind, nothing ever catches it. That door never slammed shut again. It was just randomly slammed shut in front of us. So I kind of started assuming that it, maybe it was something a little bit not of this world, so to speak, that may have did that one. So
1: if you don't mind me asking like was it a heavy door like it was it something that theoretically the wind even could have closed or it was you know, a wooden do you door think it would have, okay but it was like not like one of those
0: like thin like new wooden doors it was like a solid mm-hmm. wooden door you know so it like had weight but it was still like i guess you could say a lighter side of like a door that would be at a hospital you know
1: so, you know, theoretically, if it was a draft or something that had closed this door, you probably would have been able to feel something.
0: Yeah, and it it, it it slammed shut. It wasn't like a... Mm-hmm. It was like a boom. Like, it sounded like somebody just grabbed the door and shit-whipped it as hard as they possibly could.
1: Yeah, and, you know, just looking at these pictures, this is an old building. You know, shit was big and heavy back then. <laughs> You know, so, no, I just assumed it was probably not something that was... You know, easily blown shut by the wind.
0: And most of the doors, they went through this place and they welded most of the doors shut. So it was like most of the time there was only one passage to get through onto like the next floor or through a specific area or somebody busted out a window in a certain spot. Like they tried to seal this place up as best as they could so that people can get around this place easy. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that was the, I guess, last bit of that little part of the story. Now we're going to get into like the major thing. So. of a weird thing we're up on i think it was like the third or fourth floor one day and i'm just kind of looking out into uh the woods behind the place and for anybody that wants to get a visual of this place again and then looking at the pictures so uh the front of the hospital is over in this area where you see the parking lot and everything um i was probably where this main center area is i was off to the right of that probably around this area on like the fifth or sixth floor and back over here is all just a big wood line so i'm looking out the window up here and I see this big cat wander out of this, out of the woods back here, like a cougar. And for anybody that's not familiar with Michigan's animals, uh, like this area, Northville, which is semi close to Detroit area. Um, it's not, you don't, you don't have those types of animals here. So the other weird part about it was that when I ma- looked at this thing and saw it, I pointed it out to uh, one of my girlfriend's friends at the time and said like, Hey, you saw that, right? Just so somebody else saw it. And she said, 100%, like I saw that. And it looked up at us. And I don't feel like we weren't making loud noise. We weren't doing anything that was drawing attention. So it just seems kind of weird that a big cat like walked out of this, out of this, uh, the wood line and looked up directly at us and then kind of like hankered back
1: into it. What color was it?
0: It was, uh, like a, like that tan, light tan color.
1: So it was like a normal color for, it wasn't like a, you know, big black cat or something like that. No, it was just a standard cougar, but again, still weird for this
0: area. And yeah, yeah, yeah. anybody wants to look this up too, there was random cougar sightings in Northville at this time and no carcass was ever found. Nothing is ever found. It was just a few people had a sighting on this thing and never actually found it. And So what you're saying is
1: there were single cougars in your area?
0: Ooh, yes. And usually you can only okay. find that action on Pornhub and the uh, ad links. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, so that, that was kind of a weird thing. So after that, we decided that we should probably leave, but we kind of gave it some time and we decided to kind of go up and around the front and walk down kind of like the main street instead of going back by this wood, by the woods, because we're parked back where you had to go through it. And we didn't want to kind of run the risk of, you know, one of us getting pounced by a damn cougar or something. Um, so we kind of ended up calling it after that night. So that what's, that's what leads into the big Encounter which is half the reason why I think I research all the stuff that I do now And I got so involved in like the cryptic community was because of everybody for the most part kind of had their own experience And that's what kind of gets you involved in all this kind of weird stuff So we had this whole place completely mapped out like I said um, to the point where we're going here so much that you You know, it's hard to get bored of like a place like this But you know, we've seen everything like we, we wanted to have kind of like a new adventure here so there was uh, the Northville tunnels that goes underneath it. And there are a bunch of uh, tunnels that pretty much lead through different areas in Northville. And one of the entrances to it is through this hospital. So we decided to go into the basement. The only reason that we hadn't actually checked it out before was because we didn't want to run the risk of being like a mile into these tunnels and having like our flashlights run out and then having to like feel the wall back to get back. So we
1: decided. Can we're I just ask a question yeah. real quick before you go on? Uh, so, what was supposedly? I'm going to say the purpose of these tunnels like, is this like it's supposed to be access? Ind-
0: they also said to like move patients around to different buildings and stuff too. So I think okay, they had multiple so, purposes.
1: So the tunnels are like just for the the hospital. It's like not something that Oh, it would go through the town of Northville. That's why I was saying okay. like, it had that's multiple uses. Like originally okay. it,
0: it was just supposed to be an access <laughs> tunnel, I believe, but because it did connect under Northville psychiatric hospital, they started also using it for transferring patients under, under there too. Um, so it was just repurposing something that was already there essentially. Okay. But these mo- tunnels go for miles like underneath the city. Um, that's kind of creepy in and of itself. Oh dude, just these tunnels are creepy as shit to begin with. Like that's, just bad vibes and coming from this place, like I that's part of the like reason.
1: There's just something inherently creepy about being underground. You know, like I work in an office building, but like the mail room is in the basement, and when I go down to check the mail, it's got creepy fucking vibes. And this is just a you know an office building, and even like the underground there feels kind of weird, you know? I wonder if it's one of those things that maybe
0: like people aren't necessarily like intended to be underground. So it's just like a subconscious, like fear of like it collapsing on you or two, maybe being under the ground in the minerals, in the soil, maybe there's like a specific frequency that kind of like gets projected on you from like the stones and the minerals and all the different stuff in the ground that has this like dense feeling. And in turn, that dense feeling turns into fear because that's how we perceive it.
1: Yeah. No, I think there's definitely something to it. I mean, like you said, could it be just the minerals, you know, conduct electricity different. when you're in that environment, it, you know, reacts with you some way. I, I don't know. But like, you know, when I was a kid, um, my dad's parents, uh, they had a basement in their house and, you know, basements are kind of rare where I grew up because of like hurricanes and things like that. But I was fucking terrified to go in that basement. And, you You know, one time I could have sworn I heard like voices when I was down there. You know, that could be just like a little kid sound coming through the floor or whatever. I don't know. But I was terrified of that, too. So, I mean, all that was a really long winded way of saying I think the underground is just inherently fucking creepy and weird.
0: You know that they say that people look for faces and things like it's something that your brain Mm -hmm. naturally does. I wonder if the same goes for sound, where if you're in dead enough sound. If you look for voices to exist, it's like, you know, there's like experiments where they put people in those completely soundproof rooms and they start hallucinating and they start hearing voices and everything. I wonder if it's the same concept as like when we make faces that with the absence of sound or the absence of voices that we subconsciously try to create voices maybe as a comfort thing subconsciously, but in the forefront of your mind, it ends up freaking you out, (laughs) you know? So it's like the brain's working against itself all in the same process.
1: (laughs) I mean, the brain does weird things. So, I mean, that I think it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. Yep. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we decided to go and check out this tunnel. So we
0: went in through the main hospital over to the right side, if anybody that's still looking at the visual of it. Because um, back over down in this bottom corner, this is where the morgue's at. So there was a door that somebody busted open. So pretty much you'd be able to come into this place uh, through the morgue. And um, so... We end up going in through the morgue and down past the front, which is where the access is to the basement. So pretty much down this one side of the building, down back over here. Um, so you get down into the basement and to the right side, there's this wall cutout where it's like the it wasn't a doorway that was supposed to be there. Like clearly somebody like removed the bricks there, but it looked like it was professionally done. Not like, you know, somebody just fucking around with a sledgehammer. So we end up walking down and that's, of course, the first place I end up deciding to look into. So I come down. And I turn right into this room and I'm looking into the room with my flashlight facing forward. And to the right of me, I hear a voice say, run in this weird, whispery, ghostly voice. And as I hear that, I'm looking right in front of me where the flashlight's at. And there's like this metal, like Gertie, like cart, like, you know, like the carts you'd find, like in the hallway at a hospital. Mm -hmm. And it's in the back corner. And um, as I'm looking at this, this thing goes to stand up. And the best way I can describe this thing is tall, lanky, uh, has that like decaying like flesh color where it's like white and kind of like uh, that like bluish, like decaying flesh color. And it has long black, greasy hair on the top of its head that's tilting back cuz i only saw the back side of this thing but it goes to stand up in this pose with its like arms kind of like outstretched out like almost like a defensive pose and this thing was like taller than like a normal person would look it doesn't have the structure of a normal person the skin color of course isn't what a normal person would be and i instantly As this thing's standing up, I fucking take off and I tell Gabby and her one friend that was with us, just run, run. So they start, they just chase after me and they start following me. I didn't tell them anything that was going on. They just knew that it was time to get the fuck out of there. And as we're leaving, Gabby's taking pictures behind us. And I'm going to show you those next for anybody that's able to uh, watch the slides here. Um, And I'll also include these in the cover art. So this was the original picture, kind of dark, can't really see much. So we lighten it up. And you got this thing down in the back of the hallway right here that was following oh, yeah, you can us. Definitely see like a dark figure as we were leaving this building. So I didn't know what the hell this thing was. I started doing research on the internet and most stuff that I come to comes with like a, like a rake pale crawler, like stuff that's kind of in that category. So, but when I started looking up descriptions for this stuff, it fit what people would describe as a Wendigo. Um, Mm -hmm. so I ended up telling this story. I think it was on episode three of this show. So it was a long time ago back when ghost was on here. Um, and I had Justin on from crypt of the corn. He was talking about his stories and everything too. So on that show, I told him like all these different pieces, not really knowing how to connect them yet. And he starts helping me connect some dots. So, this is when I got into my, like, hardcore Wendigo research, which is partly of, like, why I wanted to do that Wendigo episode for everybody that was around for that and trying to differentiate all the different variations of, like, what a Wendigo is. Um, so most people, when you think of a Wendigo, you think of the standard image, which would be something like this, the deer head with uh, the animalistic body. Um, here's another visual of, like, kind of what people kind of interpret a Wendigo to be. But that's not actually the image of, like, what a Wendigo is. So starting connect dots, I do have Native American heritage, and there's this internal fight um, between like the, the spirit of the person that got transformed into the Wendigo and the Wendigo spirit inside of them, where there's stories about you know if you say the person's name when they were a human that they'll freeze in their tracks and they'll have this thing where they try to fight um, the 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 spirit with themselves. So Justin was basically saying that he thinks that that voice that was telling me to run was the actual human spirit in this thing telling me to get out before it couldn't control this thing to keep it back. So also connecting with the Cougar story that you hear about these things turning into different animals, kind of like the whole like skinwalker type concept. And I mean, maybe that's a possibility. Maybe they do have some of that power. Maybe the cougar was involved or maybe that was a standalone thing. Um, but I just wanted to kind of address it as a possibility. Um, but then when you get into, again, like the actual native American depictions of like what a Wendigo would be, um, for all the, uh, people that are watching the videos, this is more so what it would be. It's more so described as like a zombie-like being that's tall, lanky, decrepit, has the blue decaying skin, um, has an unquenchable hunger. So it will eat its own lips. So usually they are they don't have their own lip. They don't have lips anymore. Um, but the image completely got misconstrued. So I spent years researching this thing and kind of finding the category in this one thing, but finding the visuals in another thing. And then I finally started connecting all these pieces And what I believe is that there's a possibility that I may have had a Wendigo encounter just because uh, people's skin normally isn't that texture. I mean, you always got to throw the possibility of like a crackhead, but like a crackhead wouldn't be fully decaying and whispering a weird voice in the side of my head while I'm seeing this weird fucking creature. And I mean, like I said, we got the visual pictures of some type of like apparition type being that was following us as we were leaving this place. And just to tie in something a little bit later on with this whole story that I found kind of weird, there's an artist named Timothy Wayne Williams. Uh, For anybody that's not familiar with his work, he does some absolutely beautiful work. I have a bunch of his artwork actually up in the studio. And um, I asked him if he could do a picture of my Wendigo encounter. And I was trying to describe to him exactly what I saw. And he was starting to work it. But as he was doing doing this image, he got this really uncomfortable feeling about it. And he ended up having a nightmare about Wendigos that night while he was doing this painting. And then in the next morning, he said he ended up having to scrap the painting and that he apologized and that he Mm -hmm. couldn't do it. Now, for anybody that is semi-familiar with the lore, they say if you say their name enough times that it basically is calling these things or like entraps them within it. So what I was kind of wondering was if by him creating this picture, if he was almost like trapping that spirit within the picture and Mm -hmm. it was trying to scare him or whatever and the best means of it was basically just to not do the picture um so that you didn't have this dark being trapped within this picture
1: almost like manifesting it in a way
0: yeah exactly But, uh, I guess that's, that's my main encounter. That's why if anybody's ever curious, that's why I've always been super duper into all the native folklore on top of the fact that I do have Cherokee heritage. But the reason why I'm always preaching about Wendigos and going on a bunch of shows talking about Wendigos is because of this encounter and deterring them. And uh, if anybody has more information on the encounter, I would definitely like to hear your guys' opinions on it. Maybe there's more dots that I'm not connecting, but if you guys are connecting them, throw the ideas. I would absolutely love to hear them. And, uh, Before we start, wrapping up towards the end, I do have another quick encounter that a lot of people might find fascinating. So there was one day during the whole pandemic thing that I was at Myers and this was when I first started my podcast. So, you know, I was just ranting and raving about stuff in public at that time. And I'm (laughs) ranting and raving about reptilians, right? And talking about how like they're among us, like all this kind of shit. You know, just the most crazy bad shit conversation you could possibly imagine was that I was doing in the middle of Myers with my girlfriend with Gabby. And, um, so in the middle of this conversation, she's ringing stuff out. We're in the self scan and I look back and there's this lady who looks at me and she pulls her COVID mask down and her face changes to this like reptilian looking face. And then she pulls it back up and turns and just continues talking to the person that she was with. And I took that as a sign of we're here. Shut your fucking mouth. And I I will, I got a picture not of that exact one, but just kind of like, rough idea kind of like of what I saw as far as like the visuals of this face. Oh, one last one to go picture for you guys. If you guys want to see another one, but um, <laughs> going into the reptilian thing. So it was like this, it was like an overlay <clears throat> over a normal person's face and it changed just for a second. It went back. It wasn't like the standard full reptile face. It was more like an imprint over the face. So kind of my theory after having this experience is a lot of people want to imagine like the reptilians, like they're like a race that like shape shifts and does all this shit I don't think they're necessarily shape-shifting. I think what they do is that they are their form and then they project an image of what they want you to see on top of their form. Because everybody knows that the human mind can be easily manipulated. Your perception can be easily manipulated. And I think that what she did is temporarily let her guard down to basically tell me to shut the fuck up and then went back to her form. But I think that these things exist in their full reptilian form everywhere, but they just project an image of a human on you. So that that's what you see, even though that is not their form. So they're not shape-shifting. They're using some type of telekinetic ability to make you see what they want you to see.
1: But that kind of gets back to stuff we talk about all the time, as far as like, you know, Bigfoot or aliens or whatever, you know, presenting themselves in a different mask or, you know, whatever you want to call it. So, I mean, that's very in line with that line of thinking. And what if, Whatever these reptilian beings are, you know, ultra terrestrials, whatever you want to call them, are kind of responsible for a lot of this paranormal activity. And it's just exactly like you said, them presenting themselves in different masks. I know that I've said
0: the whole thing with orbs, how I think that the orbs could be like the beings and that they actually like change into other forms of things. I mean, the same could be said with these. There could be orbs that are doing that, and then there could be reptilians that are doing that. And they could completely change their form to scare somebody away from a specific location or just for fun. I mean, realistically, these things, they say, are as partly energy vampires. So part of the energy that you'd want to abs- assumably absorb would be fear. So, you know, if people are camping in the middle of the woods and you need a quick energy meal, what not a better way to do it than to, you know, look like a Sasquatch or like a dogman and just walk past this fucking camp and it's almost yeah. like that instilled fear of like the old scary movies where it's like, it's scarier if you don't see it, you know, like they get full blown attack, but if they just do a simple walk past and don't interact or engage, that's almost freakier than if they just came into the place and did it. Because then rather than having that initial fear, you taking off and being done and over with, if you stay that night, it's like a whole night that these things can just drain energy from you because you still have that high state of fear. If you're not leaving.
1: <laughs> well, and something that just popped into my head while you were, talking about that um i know in part three of jack parsons when we were talking about the collins elite um i talked about some of the miscellaneous collins elite notes um and i can't remember if i talked about this specifically um but if i didn't so there's kind of this idea in the nick redfern book about how these you know demonic creatures that he thinks are the uh the extra or the collins elite rather thinks are the extraterrestrials um there's this idea that they can only kind of interfere with you and in our reality as much as people believe in them so i wonder if you know maybe whatever these reptilian you know we talk about all the time we're all talking about the same thing. It's just issues of language. What if, you know, these quote unquote demons and reptilians and grays and whatever, we're all talking about the same thing. It's just, you know, what we choose to believe and how they choose to interact with us.
0: I mean, they could even change their image through time, depending on like what the high fear of that time is. So like if they're rendering like, uh, you know, biblical times, maybe they project themselves as like giants or Nephilim or whatever. And then, you know, more modern day, everybody's into the whole UFO thing. So they project themselves as aliens and different things like that. And then back in the early 1900s, everybody was into spirituality. So they project themselves as ghosts and apparitions mm-hmm. at the time. Like, I mean, just, just, there's a lot of possibilities out there. I mean, anything can definitely be possible, but unfortunately, all we can do here is, uh, theorize about it until maybe one day we can actually get a reptilian just to sit down on the show and talk about their experiences of being a reptilian. But you know, if they don't have their filter up, it may just come out as that
1: that was pretty good. I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed. uh,
0: (laughs) That was off the top of my hat too, my friend. (laughs) uh, That was was probably like, fuck you. Let's, let's, let's fight in reptilian. So I probably pissed off all of our reptilian listeners out there.
1: Well, I mean, the feds already came for you twice, so.
0: (laughs) They came for you, you too, but as a kid. They used a time
1: device because they knew you were going to talk about this
0: now, so they wanted to scare you back then. (laughs) Yeah, they did some Marty McFly shit. So, So, uh, I guess with that, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. It's a little bit different than our normal format, but we want to do something a little bit different. we
1: had to give you a treat. A a birthday present, if you will. A birthday present? A good old... Sorry, Frosty. That is just too cute. <laughs>
0: that was too cute. Frosty the Snowman, man. <laughs> So uh, with that, if you guys enjoyed this episode and you guys enjoy all of our episodes, if you haven't already checked out our full back catalog, uh, don't forget to review or rate the show. Always appreciated. Uh, It's a good way to help it. So the algorithm makes it so that we're seen by more people. And of course, word of mouth, always a great way to do it. You guys can always share the TikTok or the YouTube clips um, or simply just tell somebody about the show. That's an awesome way to continue on. And uh, don't forget to join in the community and get involved, my friends.
1: And As always, uh, reach out to us through social media, through email, through the uh, submission form on the link tree. Uh, reach out with ideas for guests, topics, um, collaborations, sponsorships, anything like that. And also, you guys remember uh, to submit stories of your bizarre encounters for Shane's book he's working on.
0: And everything that we have mentioned is all available down in the link tree in the show description But if you guys want to type it into your URLs and you don't actually want to go and do it the easy way, you guys want to try to make it difficult on yourself, uh, you guys can always check out L-A-N-K-T-R-P-E-E slash Bizarre Encounters. And with that, I think I have to tell you every single episode and I'm always going to do it because it's become the catchphrase. And if I don't tell you guys and I go two episodes without saying it, you guys are going to forget and then you guys are going to start acting like normies on me and nobody wants some normies around this place. We want the most bizarre possible people in our community. But guys, always, always remember to stay bizarre.
1: Bizarre. 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 Happy anniversary.